Hey everyone, thanks for coming back to another episode of The We and Me. We're really excited to bring you this episode because we have Melissa Boyle from the UK. She is an author and mental health advocate. How's it going, Melissa? Good, thanks. How are you? Doing okay. As previously discussed, yes. our dog is being obnoxious today, so bear with us today, everyone. <laughs> oh, gotta love pets. Yeah, they are a blessing and a curse. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and talk with Melissa today a little bit about something exciting that's going on in her life recently. As we said, she's an author, and her book, Geek Magnifique, is recently available for purchase on Amazon in the UK, correct? Yep, that's right. It comes out on the 6th of December. That's fantastic. How exciting was that news? Oh, it's, it's it doesn't... I mean, I saw... My publishers put a picture on Instagram today of they've had the first hard copies back and they posted a picture of it on Instagram. And it's it just I don't know. It was crazy seeing them actual like real life books. It's just it doesn't feel real still. It's it's yeah, so strange. Very surreal. I oh I can I can only imagine. Yeah, that must be just such a cool experience to see the physical book. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm 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 gonna get sent. I think my first copy next week. So Ooh. to actually hold it in my hands yeah. is gonna be oh, amazing. Absolutely, that is. Yeah. Super, we're excited for you. That is really exciting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so excited. Absolutely. Can you tell some of our listeners a little bit about the book and yourself and how how Geek Magnifique came to be the book it is today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I myself have had OCD since I was about eight years old. And in my teen years, so I think I was around 16, I developed emetophobia, which is a phobia of vomiting, if anybody doesn't know. And then throughout my 20s, I kind of struggled with low mood, anxiety, all kind of linked to lots of different things that happened in my childhood. And you know, all a big complicated mess, basically. I started seeing a counsellor when I was about, I think I was about 27. Uh, so it's a few years ago now. And I eventually ended up on medication as well. And I just, somewhere along the line of that journey, I kind of just decided to start sharing my experiences. I thought, you know, there's probably other people out there that have the same problems I do, that are going through the same things. And I just thought, why not share them? I had a blog already, which was kind of being used for like TV shows, video games, kind of light, fun stuff, hence Geek Magnifique. So the name doesn't really fit with what the blog's all about now, but never mind. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just kind of decided to take it in a different direction, start talking about mental health, start kind of opening up online. And then one thing led to another, and then I was offered a book deal. So, I mean, it's it's all been a bit of a whirlwind, but it's been, yeah, it's been amazing. That's very exciting, especially because we've, we've seen a lot of the OCD from different things that occur in childhood as, as you progress through your teen and adult years while you're developing into the person that you are. And mm -hmm. that, that seems to really add complications for people. And often at times they don't even realize that they have OCD initially because there's just these things and patterns that develop. So it's Yeah. Oh my, uh, that's exactly the case with me. Actually, I, I did these things. I had these rituals. I had this need to compulsively wash my hands, but I kind of just thought for so, so long that they were just 
I don't know, personality quirks or just kind of habits I had. And it wasn't until I actually spoke to my counsellor and she just said, oh, you, you know, you've got OCD. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Yeah. OK, that makes sense. But right. it wasn't actually until I was yeah, in my late 20s that I was officially sort of diagnosed, as it were. So, yeah, exactly what you said. Right. It's how was that for you in adulthood realizing that was it was it difficult or was it something that in your brain because we've heard it two different ways from people like they're like, oh, yeah, it's like this just fit. And then I had tools to manage and work through it. And then other people were just completely thrown and like, oh, my God, what is happening? Yeah. Well, I think for me, it was a bit of both. I think initially I was thrown, I sort of my my gut reaction was no, I don't, I I don't have OCD. That's not something not because it's a bad thing, but because it's just something I didn't, you know, it's not a label I associated with myself. But then I kind of I went home after that session. And I just thought, okay, yeah, I started to think about what she said. And, and think about myself and all my safety behaviors and it just started to really kind of yeah it it just clicked and that night I thought yeah actually this makes a lot of sense really yeah it can be very strange to have that aha moment in a sense but then kind of debate it with yourself like well that's not really behavior I associate with myself that's just how I've always lived yeah, exactly. You you kind of it's hard to separate what what is your mental illness and what's just you and how you are and how you behave. And I think for me it was drawing that line and sort of saying to myself, right, well these are things that that they're just me and then this is my OCD. So that was I think that was probably quite a long process really for me. Sure, and yeah, absolutely be be a long and complicated process for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important, though, people are able to utilize certain things and work through it. You know, like, yeah, for you, did you when you first started blogging, did you blog about, you know, with under Geek Magnifique, but a blog about those lighter hearted things in a way to kind of cope in a sense and get a release in some fashion? Oh, it was definitely an outlet for sure. I mean, I was I was really, really unhappy at the time. I was working, I was in a job I didn't like. I was self-employed, so I was by myself all day. I was really, really isolated, and I was just really miserable. My life just, it didn't look how I wanted it to look. And then I kind of, I think I just sort of discovered the online community, and I discovered Twitter, and kind of found all these other bloggers, and then it kind of hit me that I could do that. I can, I can write, I can, I can have a blog. And then it just kind of went from there, really. We've heard that similarly from others as well in the mental health and blogging community. It's, it's interesting how that helps though. So many people is that they come together and then while there's similarity in diagnosis, the stories are drastically different at times. Oh yeah. I think if there's one thing I've learned from doing this and meeting so many people in the mental health community is that, you know, you think of OCD as one thing, you think of anxiety as one thing, but everyone is so different and different things work for different people and everyone experiences things differently. And it's been, it's been incredible to just, to just learn about things and kind of broaden my understanding of mental illness as a whole. Yeah. I've, it's been a great assistance in many ways because it also helps in some of the work, the day-to-day work that I do here in the States and now internationally, but with 
we do the public speaking on trauma disorders, specifically DID, but we discuss trauma and recovery. And a lot of that has been facilitated by all the people that do reach out to us on social media, sharing pieces of their story because it impacts people differently. Mental illness is a very vast and diverse thing to come upon because it environment, biology, chemistry, people are built of all sorts of different things. There are similarities, but it impacts life in different ways. Oh, of course, absolutely. And we all have our different ways of coping with things. Right. And uh, Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's different. Can you share a little bit about the process of writing a book on OCD while living with OCD? For me, the hardest thing, I think, was because it starts, the book starts from my childhood and goes all the way up to the present day. It's a full sort of memoir. Right. And right. Um, I, I think for me, the, the problem I had was structuring it and kind of telling it in a way that made sense to the reader because I kind of jumped in with my counselling, obviously is recent, and then I was flitting back and forth between childhood and university and counselling, and it was just all a bit of a jumble. Yeah. Um, but talking to my editor, and she just said, you know, just get it on the page. It doesn't need to be in any sort of particular order. That's what I'm here for. So with that in mind, that really, really helped, actually. And yeah. I just kind of, I wrote, bits as and when I thought of them I didn't really worry about editing as I went I just kind of got it all on the page knowing that it could be kind of tweaked and moved around later so in that respect the process was kind of I felt like it flowed quite well obviously there were difficult days and I had days where I just felt completely either stuck like writer's block or there were days that were hard because I was writing about things that you know, maybe I didn't want to think about and remember and dredge up again. Right. Yeah, it was overall an amazing experience. And it was, you know, it was exciting. And and I just, I, I pinched myself every day that I was given the opportunity to actually do this because I I'm, appreciate how fortunate I am. And, and it's been a dream of mine for many, many years to write a book. So I feel very, very lucky. But yeah, there were days that were hard as well. Yeah, I'm sure it's difficult, but that's amazing that you've been able to achieve that dream. That's really exciting. So what you had mentioned that you can identify now that you were around eight years old when you started to experience the symptoms of OCD. Do you, yeah. is that something that you realized at the time? That's something, did you realize at eight that something wasn't quite right? Or is it now looking back? It, that's such a, that's such a hard question, even Right. now for me to answer and and it's something I explore in the book and um, I, I think the, the short answer is I, I simply don't know I knew that something I wasn't happy in myself I knew that I wasn't happy I had a lot of anxiety um, but I mean I, I definitely had never heard the term OCD when I was eight years old it was never something that was explored I wasn't taken to see a doctor or or anything like that it was just I guess not brushed aside but it was kind of just treated as I think I used the, the term earlier a personality quirk like it was just kind of part of me yeah um yeah. and I think I think maybe deep down I knew there was something not right but at the same time I just kind of also was resigned to the fact that this was just who I was I don't know if that makes any sense at all Absolutely. but it was 
yeah, I think I just thought, well, this this is me. I have to do these things. For me, it was ritual. So it was counting to certain numbers and saying certain words. And I think I just kind of resigned myself to, you know, this is what I have to do. I have to say these things. I have to do these things. And yes, it brought me a lot of anxiety and it made me very, very unhappy and stressed and unwell. But I think I just kind of accepted it. I share a similar experience in that when I was young, I did heavy amounts of counting and I still count in certain ways, even today. It's something that I'm, of course, working on in therapy, but it does take a toll because I'm also diagnosed with OCD on top of other things. Wow, it's it's a lot, isn't it? It's very... um... It can be, yeah. Yeah, it can, yeah. Even now, and I would say that I'm, you know, for the most part, I have my bad days, but for the most part, I feel... I feel well and I feel like I've overcome the worst parts of OCD, but there are still days when, you know, I find myself getting stuck in a loop of doing something and I don't know why. And it, it's just, it's frustrating. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's difficult. It does. It gets very frustrating. It can be, it can be overwhelming at times. And then just the, the exhaustion from it, because I'm not sure about you, but for me, my brain and body actually feel tired when I'm having a really high stress day with OCD. Oh my goodness, yes, I can completely relate to that. It's For me, it's more afterwards. So after that little cycle of whatever it is I'm doing has ended, I just feel drained mentally, physically. It's like that feeling when you've got that rush of adrenaline and then it wears off and you just feel weak. It's kind of like that for me. Yeah, yeah. totally relate. It's so strange sometimes how that happens. Yeah. And it's strange just talking to you, actually. it's We were talking about how mental illness is so different from person to person, but yet it sounds like we have so many similar sort of shared experiences. Yes. And I've, I've met so many other people that say, oh, yes, I do exactly the same thing, or I know exactly what you're talking about. So it is kind of nice in a way to kind of meet other people that, know what I'm going through and kind of, you know, I have that connection with. For sure. That can be a really big deal for people through their healing process, finding a community. All of these various things are a big help. You know, mental illness is different for all people and it affects them differently, but that doesn't mean that there aren't similarities because as you were saying, we seem to experience OCD in a very similar fashion. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's interesting. Can you explain some of what therapy's been like for you through your recovery process? Yeah, of course. So therapy, so I I did quite a lot of CBT. I had 25 sessions, which is quite a lot. I think the average is about 12. So my first counsellor, so I had, it was quite a long journey. So I had 25 sessions with a private counsellor. The, the goal when I went in was to kind of tackle my OCD and my phobia, but because of a lot of things that were going on in my personal life and we had a, a bereavement and there was just so much going on and a family breakdown and it's it kind of ended up just being more of a support rather than actively tackling. I had exposure therapy and I had, you know, we tackled my OCD, but there were quite a lot of sessions where... I just said, no, I, I can't do this. I just need to talk. I need to vent. I need to just get things off my chest. Yeah. Which was very helpful, obviously. 
but I often felt like I was kind of hitting a wall, I guess, with exposure therapy and with challenging my fears and things. Because it is hard. It does push you out of your comfort zone and it's it's, it's difficult. And, and like we were saying, you know, it leaves you afterwards, you feel drained and it's it's hard. I, I mean, it's very worthwhile and I would recommend it to anyone who's struggling, but it is a difficult process. Yeah, I would say a mixed bag, really. It was obviously very helpful ultimately, but there were times, yeah, absolutely, when it was when it was quite difficult. Yes, absolutely. I do quite a bit of exposure therapy, even still, while we're working in therapy through some of the traumas with the, the DID. But OCD for us is specifically based in trauma. So that is why it developed for us, as well as some of the various phobias that we also deal with. And okay. I, I've actually started using, uh, for the last couple of years, I use crochet to help, oh. help as a form of exposure therapy for me. A lot of people think that sounds strange, but for me, and us collectively, even numbers are the problem. Even numbers are actually triggering for us due to various traumas. Okay. But my brain wants things to be consistent and contained and yet there's this trigger of even numbers being problematic and part of a, a pain trigger specifically. So okay. when, I, when I crochet, I work through things utilizing and forcing myself, because that's kind of how you have to work with exposure therapy, is forcing myself to utilize odd numbers. Okay. And that well, helps in one way, as it's not triggering but then it causes agitation within myself due to the desire to put something like constructually together that is symmetrical. Right. It gets complicated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel you there. Can you share a little bit about what you mean when you say, in regards to your book, what do you mean when you say finding the logic to my OCD? Can you share that a little bit with our listeners? Okay. Yeah, I mean... Something that I explore a lot in the book is the whole kind of the frustration I had with knowing that OCD and phobias and things, they're not rational. Um, But I found it very, very frustrating that I could understand that, you know, on an intellectual level, I could understand. Yeah, so what I explore in the book mainly is kind of the frustration I had for a long time with the fact that OCD and phobias aren't rational, I used to get very, very frustrated with myself because I'd think to myself, you know this isn't rational. You know on an intellectual level that this isn't rational behaviour and you don't need to do these things. You don't need to wash your hands again or do any of your safety behaviours, but yet you're still doing them. And that I couldn't get over that and I needed to kind of understand why I was the way I am. I think I wanted to understand what had made me this way and why my brain worked like this, I guess. It was a kind of, again, it was a journey in counselling. It was lots of kind of going over my past and talking about my childhood. But slowly kind of things started to slot into place, I guess. So I started to kind of understand where some of, not saying obviously that they're, they're justified or rational, but I kind of started to understand where some of the compulsions came from and and why I thought certain things. So I guess without going into too much detail, it was it's just kind of the process that I went through in counselling of kind of understanding myself better and understanding 
my compulsions and kind of finding a reason for them, even though I know they're not rational. That's a really great way of putting it, though, understanding your compulsions, the reasons behind them, and then working through that in therapy in order to come out the other side and where you are now. Like you said, you have bad days sometimes, but now, through the work I've done in therapy, I understand the same, the same as you, where some of these compulsions come from and some of these different repetitive behaviors that I have, so I can yeah. stop, process, and correct now. That's good. Yeah, it helps to understand, doesn't it? It helps to kind of, you know, our minds are funny things and it's kind mm -hmm. of nice to have a rough idea of, you know, why we do the things we do. It makes a big difference <laughs> for people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but it does. It makes a big difference when you, when you, it takes time, it takes work, it takes some really frustrating days and even some really hard ones in therapy at times. But when you have different, and when when trauma comes into play and there's different phobias that develop and compulsions, different behaviors, you need to try and sit down and process that with someone who is skilled at helping you through those things and then giving you the corrective behaviors to facilitate it. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. makes a big difference having that extra support as an a separate party that can, oh, sorry, <laughs> a separate party that can explain this is what's happening and this is why. Why are you like this? Good Lord. <laughs> like the neediest animals in the world, I promise you. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. I am so sorry. <laughs> Honestly, it's fine. I don't mind at all. It's kind of comical, really. Like It is. It's funny. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <laughs> I want to just close out the episode here with Melissa chatting a little bit about where people can find you on social media. And then I actually wrote down a little blurb from uh, Amazon UK talking about your book. If you don't mind, I'm going to share that with our listeners. Oh, amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, of course. So if, if people go to uh, one of Melissa's websites, Geek Magnifique, the links will be in the description below. But So for our listeners, if you go to geekmagnifique.co.uk, you'll be able to find some of Melissa's information as well as searching on Amazon even in the U.S., guys, just so everyone knows, we looked it up this morning on Amazon U.S., and you can pre-order Geek Magnifique there. And then I'm going to go ahead and let Melissa tell you guys where you can find her on social media as well as her blog and all that good stuff. Great. Well, it's it's nice and easy. It's I'm at Geek Magnifique across everything. So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter's kind of where I mainly live so if you want to chat come find me there um and yeah geekmagnifique.co.uk is my blog that's got all sorts of content not just mental health so if you're interested in general lifestyle food i talk a lot about food, food. so if you're into that sort of thing i i do that as well so yeah that's me at geek magnifique for everything we like it when people keep things nice and simple that is always best we find so thanks for sharing yep. that with everyone. And then just to close out this episode, as we said, we had hopped on over on Amazon and looked up Geek Magnifique because we are going to pre-order our copy next week. And Yay, it's, of course, we like to support the mental health community as much as we're able. 
So a little bit about it. it. As Melissa grows, she becomes foul to the creature of anxiety, which manifests in emetophobia, a fear of vomiting. And that is one thing that we wanted to leave with our guests because we know several people now who reached out from the mental health community that deal with some severe phobias, and emetophobia is one of those that a lot of people are beginning to talk about more. And I think that's just really yeah. important. Absolutely. I think it is. a. It's actually a very common phobia, I think. Yeah. Um, but I think it's one that people maybe don't share that often. I think one of the main reasons people don't talk about it is because obviously nobody likes being sick. So a very common response to oh, I have a phobia of, of being sick is, oh, nobody likes it. And that just kind of is very disheartening because you feel sort of like, oh, OK, you know, I'm making a big fuss about nothing here then fine right and then but I think it's good that that obviously is kind of coming to a bit of an end because I've seen so many people talk about emetophobia and talk about yeah so I think it, it can be very disheartening um when people kind of maybe are a bit dismissive if you say you have emetophobia um but I think that thankfully that isn't stopping people. People are still talking about it. And I've seen, I know so many people actually that share that phobia. So I think it's good. We all need to just keep talking about it, not just with phobias or OCD, everything. We just need to keep talking about it. We need to normalize it. We need to get rid of all that stigma that's still attached and just keep moving forwards the way we are. Well, thanks for joining us on the comedy hour of the We and Me podcast. <laughs> Fun, <laughs> Absolutely, it has. And again, sorry to our listeners for some of the technical difficulties we've been having today. I'm going to cut out as much of it as possible. But a big thank you to Melissa for coming on the podcast with us. That is absolutely true at the end there. What you were talking about is that largely with a lot of these phobias, it's the diminishing reaction from people like, oh, well, nobody likes to be sick. There's a difference between not liking it and a fear. It's a big difference. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it was it was crippling. It stopped me leaving the house. Yeah, it I, it made me starve myself. It's that's a big, big difference. Absolutely, absolutely. That is a massive dis difference and a very drastic one that people need to begin to take notice of. And as you said, I think they are now. I really think you're right. I think so. So we're gonna go ahead and leave leave you guys here with this. Thanks again for joining us on the We and Me podcast. A big thanks to Melissa. And we cannot wait to read your book. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, guys, it's Stevie from the We and Me. Thanks for joining us today. I just wanted to throw this message out to everyone in the DID community as well as the trauma and mental health community at large. What we're doing right now is looking for people within the trauma and DID community specifically who are musical. So if you have any music, whether it's just instrumental or if you got like a song that you wrote, lyrics, whatever, it doesn't have to do with mental health, that's totally fine, but we're looking for people within the mental health community and trauma community more specifically who have music that they're willing to let us use at the beginning and closing of our podcast. A big shout out to Brandon Dillon from YouTube who's let us use his music in the podcast, as well as the band Versus the Awake. If you've been listening to our podcast so far, you've heard their music already, and again, a big shout out to those guys, but we thought we'd throw out this call to the mental health community specifically to see if anyone out there had music that they'd be willing to let us use for the podcast. 
As always, thanks for listening. We appreciate all of our listeners. And if you'd like to be a guest of the podcast, you can reach out via Twitter at the We and Me, or you can hit us up in email, the We and Me blog at gmail.com. All right, everybody. Thanks again. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.